here, and uh, I mentioned yesterday, Suzanne and I have uh, the privilege of putting on a couples retreat, and we have for years, and we always tell our couples, thank you for coming. It would be a bummer to go to all of this work and uh, planning and decorating and all of that, and then no one show up, right? So uh, thank you for coming to be a part of it and uh, the preparations necessary for you to be here, uh, financially caring for work, children, whatever the case may be. Uh, thank you for doing that and investing in your relationship. Honestly, uh, half of it is just showing up, right? And putting forth the effort. And so thank you. And then thank you for the great spirit that you brought. And I've loved it. Just in the uh, singing and in the games and uh, the fellowship time in between and before and after, it's been great. I've really enjoyed it and appreciate it so very much. Uh, to uh, Kenny and Becky, thank you for your work uh, and decorating and some of the legwork for this. And uh, it's uh, a labor that's noticed and appreciated, so thank you for that. And Pastor Ms. Keeley, thank you for uh, hosting and for having this event, for inviting us and letting us come, and uh, for your gracious hospitality and kindness shown towards us. Thank you for that. And it's a privilege to be here. We love you and thank God for you. And it's been fun to get caught up a little bit. We're going to talk in this session about communication. And I'm, I think Pastor mentioned page 29, I think, in your book, is where we're going to be on this final session. And it's kind of hard to believe we're in the final session already. And uh, But I hope and pray to be a blessing and trust that as we have journeyed together uh, yesterday and today, uh, that we have uh, learned and uh, listened and finding things we can apply and talking about those uh, foundational principles yesterday. Uh, from Genesis 2, when we think about God's purpose of marriage, and we want to make sure certainly our relationship is the right priority, that we're pursuing one another, that we are one flesh, the law of possession, right? And then the purity, making sure that our life and relationship, marriage and home is right before the Lord. That's so very important. I enjoyed my time with the men this morning, and we learned about loving like Christ, and then ladies, about building your marriage and home, and uh, trust that uh, those things were an encouragement and looking forward to this this lesson on communication. Sometimes communication can be a challenge and sometimes people struggle with it more than others. There was a, a couple years ago and uh, she had been saving up and wanting to take an international trip and uh, finally uh, the time came and she was able to go and this was some years ago travel was different than it is today and so she finally got the opportunity to go and she was heading all the way to uh, Rome and she made it as far as uh, New York from her hometown and she got there for uh, a, a night and then would continue her journey the next day and so she called home just to see how things were going and in the conversation with her husband and how things were uh, being cared for at home and then towards the end of the conversation she said oh honey by the way our dog died well that was just devastating to her they didn't have children this was uh, really like a child to them it was a pet that they had for a long time and she was very devastated by this news and she said honey i just don't understand why you communicate like that it's it's very hurtful it's very difficult to to uh to uh, process and i wish you wouldn't do that and he said well what do you mean and she said well this is a better way to do it she said it would be better if when I got to this first uh, leg of the stopover and called back and asked how things were doing, if he would say, honey, our dog is stuck on the roof. We're doing everything we can, but it's on the roof. 
And then if I got to my next layover and asked how things were going and you said, you know, honey, we were able to get the dog down from the roof and uh, we had to take it to the vet and it's not looking good, but we're doing everything we can to uh, care for it and we're hoping it's going to make it. And then if I got to my final destination, you said, honey, we did everything. We spared no expense. We did everything we could, but unfortunately, our dog did not make it. She said, now that would be easier to process and to understand and uh, to cope with. And he said, okay, honey, well, I'll... I'll sure try, you know, they talked about a couple other things. And she said, by the way, how's mom doing? And he said, she's on the roof. And uh, so uh, we, we got to constantly be learning about communication, willing to make adjustments and apply different principles along the way. Now, the truth is that happy, successful couples talk. They have the ability to communicate. They have the ability to work through problems and resolve conflict. But dysfunctional couples either do not talk or they will not talk. There's not good, healthy communication happening in their relationship. And one of the determining factors of a healthy marriage is the ability to communicate, the ability to connect at a heart level and to resolve conflict in a positive manner. You're not going to develop the closeness that you desire in your relationship without the ability to truly, authentically communicate. Now, we are going to understand today how important communication is but satan already knows how important communication is and he does everything that he can to fight couples in this area he doesn't want them communicating and there's great power in communication and a power that we want to tap into that will help us in our marriage the bible has a lot to say about the words that we speak in fact look at matthew 12 in your notes the bible says but i say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. God teaches you and I the power of words to the point that even the idle words that we speak, uh, the words that we spoke between the sessions, we didn't think anything of it. The Bible says we're going to give an account of those words. Every word we speak, we're going to give an account of before the Lord. It's going to be judged eternally. This is the power of of the words in which we speak. Proverbs 18 points out in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. God teaches you and I that our words can literally bring life or death. Uh, we're either breathing life into our spouse or we're sucking the life out of them by the words in which we speak. And the powerful understanding there is that's our choice. We choose how to use our words. We're either building up or we're tearing down. We're adding life or we're pulling life away. And if we're going to have a thriving marriage, we're going to have a relationship where we are exchanging positive communication. We're communicating at that level. And if we're in a rough or poor or bad marriage, we're either not exchanging words or we're exchanging unhealthy words spoken between the two of us. James 3 is a great description on communication of the power of the tongue. For the Bible says in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven in fierce winds, yet are they turned about the very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire. 
a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed and hath been tamed to mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now you talk about a wake-up call. God says, hey, you can train an animal, you can guide a ship, but when it comes to the tongue, no man in his own strength can tame it. And the words that come from it can be full of deadly poison. Uh, we can be sabotaging our own relationship by the way we speak. So we need to take inventory of our communication skills. We need to apply biblical principles and learn to communicate in a positive and biblical way. Now, sometimes in order to know what to do, you need to know what not to do, right? And I want to begin the session by talking about six destructive traits of communication that we should avoid. I'll run through this quickly. I want to spend more time on the positive. But here's six destructive communication traits we want to avoid. Number one, silence. Silence. Now, rather than talking and resolving issues, many couples just resort to not talking at all. Uh, I, again, sometimes in, in, in counseling, uh, you'll hear from a couple, I just wish my wife and my husband would talk to me. I, I try to talk to them, but they don't want to talk about this. This is just kind of a taboo topic in our relationship. We just don't talk about it. And often there's kind of pent-up frustration because there's just no communication. They've just resorted it's not possible, and so they've taken the path of silence. Now, silence in a marriage is a very dangerous thing. It's not only a non-relational, antisocial form of behavior, but it also guarantees the prolonging of a problem. You're never going to solve a problem by running from it. And uh, silence is a very destructive communication trait that we need to avoid. Psalm Solomon, chapter 2, verse 10, she said, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And, it's a beautiful study in Song of Solomon, but one of the things she loved was that he spoke to her. In fact, they both planned uh, romantic dates, one for the other, but the one that he planned was, honey, let's go out and let's pick some fruit and let's hear the birds sing. And then I want to look into your countenance and I want to hear you speak. That's what he said. He knew his bride. He knew what would minister to her heart. And he made sure to include the conversation that they would have. We want to avoid silence. One evening, a man and wife were in their living room, and the phone rang, and she went, and she picked up the phone and was talking with a friend, and she came back, and she said, Honey, you know what my friend and her husband are doing? He said, No, what are they doing? She said, They're just sitting around talking together. We should do that. We never do that. And uh, he said, Okay, let's do that. Why don't you get some coffee on So she went, and she... Uh, Got some coffee and fixed it just like she liked it, just like he liked it. He brought it in the living room, gave him his cup, and she had her cup. And there she was sitting there enjoying her coffee. And there he was sitting there enjoying his coffee. And she was looking at him, and he was looking at her. And finally, he said, all right, honey, call him back and find out what they were talking about. And uh, then we can talk about that. And sometimes it's tough to get that going. But we need to avoid silence. Number two, avoid verbal abuse. Avoid verbal abuse. Cursing, name-calling, yelling, belittling, threatening, demeaning, demanding, disrespectful, conversational. These characteristics have no place in the home of a Christian husband and wife. 
Our spouse should not hear us speak this way. The Bible says in James 3, 10, out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Um, and, and sometimes we, we might think in general senses of this usually comes from him or this comes from her. But honestly, both need to take inventory to make sure that we're not speaking abusively. Uh, that we're not looking to uh, win, so to speak, in the way that we speak to one another. But that we're careful to not be hurting, but to be nurturing in our speech. And I just challenge all of us to make sure we're avoiding any kind of verbal abuse uh, speech that shown on this screen for all to see would be embarrassing or shameful that a speech we should not speak when it's just the two of us alone. Uh, we want to make sure that we always understand the Lord is there. God has given us to one another. And the way that we steward that relationship and the way that we speak to one another is so very important. And we want to avoid verbal abuse. It's wrong. And it's not something that should be in our life. Thirdly, Manipulation. And many spouses will use verbal manipulation to get their way. Sometimes it's in the form of partial truth or kind of slanting something to their advantage. And the reason manipulation is so wrong is because it's selfish. It shows that we want something so badly that we're willing to manipulate our spouse so that the outcome leans in our favor. It means that whatever it is that we want has become more important to us than our spouse or the way that they feel. It's wrong. Um, it's, it's, it's immature. And manipulation is not something that we should allow in our life and in our relationship. It's something that we should avoid. Number four, erratic and inconsistent behavior. <clears throat> we want to avoid erratic and inconsistent behavior. Now, in a dysfunctional marriage, you never know what version of your spouse you're going to get. Right? On one day, it's great. On one day, it's like, hey, I don't know. I don't know if I pucker or duck. You know, I don't know what's going on here. You know, I'm just not sure. I feel like I should call on my way home and just kind of test the waters a little bit. You know, or maybe volunteer for overtime or whatever. I don't know. It's erratic and it's inconsistent. And that is an earmark of a dysfunctional marriage. An atmosphere of insecurity and mistrust will prevail when it's constantly unpredictable. It's up, it's down, it's hot, it's cold, it's on, it's off. You never know. And I just want to encourage all of us, that's not a healthy environment in a relationship. It's something we've got to avoid. Um, we've got to be careful that we are consistently who we should be for our spouse. And sometimes our flesh may not feel that way. And sometimes we need to make sure, not sometimes, we always need to make sure that we're dying to self and that we're filled with the Spirit, that we consistently are who we should be for our spouse, consistently communicating the right way. And when we're not owning that and making it right. I read the story of a conscientious wife who just did everything she could to please her husband, and he was incredibly critical all of the time. She would do this and do that, and it was never enough. And he was especially disagreeable at breakfast time. She would scramble the eggs and he would come down and say, I like them poached. And the next day she would poach the eggs and he'd come down and say, I like them scrambled. I mean, she could never do anything right. Finally, one morning she had an idea. She scrambled one egg and she poached the other egg and waited for her husband to come and serve him breakfast. 
He came down and he put the plate in front of her, kind of waiting for his approval. He looked out of that and he said, can't you do anything right? You scrambled the wrong one. And uh, sometimes you just can't please some people. Sometimes it's just erratic and inconsistent. Sometimes it's all over the map and we want to avoid that. Now I understand sometimes there's physical uh, difficulties, maybe illness, Maybe the time of the month, maybe life change. There's different seasons of life and things that happen. Communicate about that. But don't allow something to divide your relationship because there is negativity or inconsistency. Um, we should avoid erratic and inconsistent behavior. We should work to be consistent and positive in our relationship and working together one with another. Number five, we want to avoid dishonesty. Marital communication, above all else, must be built on the foundation of trust and honesty. Um, there's really no place for dishonesty in marriage. Um, if you want to cut the legs out from your relationship, then be dishonest. Right? Um, I may talk about this a little later in the lesson, but I'll mention it here. There's a great difference between forgiveness and trust. You know, Kenny can do something to me and then apologize and I can say I forgive you. But it doesn't mean I trust him. Um, I forgive him, yes, and I should. God forgave me. I talked about that last night. I'll talk about it again in a minute. But just because I forgive someone doesn't mean I trust them. Um, trust is something that's earned. And um, when we have a relationship where there's dishonesty, in a relationship. If we make that right, then we should. If we forgive one another, we should. But there still needs to be the development and earning of trust. Dishonesty uh, erodes the very foundation of a relationship. And when we're talking about things that we need to avoid, I just encourage everyone in the room to do yourself the favor of saying, that's not a path we're going to take. We're going to be honest one with the other. And that may not have been our pattern before, but it's going to be our pattern from this moment going forward. We want to make sure we're honoring God. We're honest with Him. We're honest one with the other. We're avoiding dishonesty. Number six, we want to avoid secret keeping. Now again, there's a little room greater here around a birthday or Christmas or something like that. But generally speaking, you want to avoid keeping secrets. You never want your spouse to find out about something important from someone else other than you, right? And by the way, we've all been there. I've made mistakes and, and something was going on. And she said, I don't hear about something. And then she'll ask me and it's like, I should have told her that, you know. And, uh, and, and we have to make that right, right? But not keeping secrets from, from the other. And then there certainly should not be a part of your life that is just unknown to your spouse. You want to make sure you're transparent and you're open. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. So there's some destructive communication traits we want to avoid. Those are going to do harm and damage to our relationship. Jay Adams in his book in communication said, communication is the basic skill needed to establish and maintain a sound relationship. A sound husband and wife relationship is impossible apart from a good communication system. We've got to have a good communication system. If we're going to have a good marriage. If we're going to have a thriving marriage that's growing and sustaining. We want to make sure we're communicating well, so then I want us to look at four foundations for building an atmosphere of positive communication. We all need these. Number one, the foundation of a positive atmosphere. 
We need the foundation of a positive atmosphere in our marriage for the purpose of being able to communicate. Now, we're never going to really communicate to open up and have deep conversation if the environment of our marriage is one that is dark, negative, and critical. Okay? Nobody's going to open up in an environment like that. If we want the openness that we're talking about, then we need the environment of a positive atmosphere. Now, the psalm teach us an incredible truth about our God and our relationship with Him. Look in your notes, Psalms chapter 100, verse number 4. The Bible says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him and bless His name. Now, we've done a great job, Kenny and Becky have led us in a lot of worship unto the Lord, even at this couple's conference and singing songs and learning new songs about running the race and so on. And what are we doing? We're entering into the presence of the Lord. We're worshiping Him together as a spouse as we're learning these things together. And God teaches us in His Word that when we enter into the presence of the Lord, we want to do so with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. God says, when you come to commune with me, the way to begin is to express gratitude and praise. The model prayer was, hallowed be thy name. As you begin communication with God, take time to praise Him for who He is. Take time to thank Him for all that He has done. This is the secret to a close, vibrant relationship with God. Well, the book of Genesis tells us that God created us in His image. Did you know that we have been hardwired to open up to someone who is positive, thankful, and praising, and to close to someone who is negative and critical? It's a hardwired response. We are made in the image of God. So I am encouraging you today in your marriage relationship to create a positive atmosphere. To build a positive spirit in the process of daily disciplines of praise. The Bible says in Psalms 118 verse 24, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There is always something to be thankful for, and praise finds it every single time. Amen. Are you thankful for your spouse? Are you praising your spouse? Are you communicating that to them? We want to create this foundation of a positive atmosphere, and we will always tend in our flesh to go to the negative, right? But we've got to work in the Spirit of God to move towards the positive, to be thankful and to praise. We need to think. T-H-I-N-K, in order to think, T-H-A-N-K. Take time to consider, what am I thankful for? And then express that gratitude. You know what I've learned over the years in the books that I've read? It's important to praise because for every critical thing we say to our spouse, the experts tell us it takes seven positive things to balance out their perception of what we feel about them. So if that's true, every negative thing that I would ever say to Susanna, it's going to require seven positive things to kind of even the scales, so to speak. So for any negative comment or any negative uh, uh, communication, there needs to be the reinforcement of seven positive things that I am thankful for and that I praise her for. What does all of that mean? Here's what it means. It means it's really important for me to take the time to express gratitude and to express 
praise. It's really important for me uh, to take the time to consider the blessing that God has given to me and then to communicate that to her, to your spouse. It's important even when something needs to be handled of a corrective nature that we do it in a positive way. Developing the foundation of a positive atmosphere. Take the time to express gratitude to your spouse. Take the time to praise your spouse. Uh, make it a daily habit. Uh, have I looked in my spouse's eyes today and thanked them for something specific? Have I praised them? Have I built them up? That's the hands of a wise woman, right? Building her house. And that's what we should do with the words that we speak. A positive atmosphere. Number two, the foundation of fun and humor. Pastor referenced this last night. The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. We want to create a spirit of fun and humor. The Bible says pleasant words, there's a honeycomb sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. In 12.25, heaviness in the heart of men make it that stoop, but a good word make it that glad. You know what we need in our marriages? To have fun. Life is short and often way too serious. We need to have fun. We need to have fun. There's been a great balance of that here, hasn't there? The games and the good time, the fellowship and the spirit of it all, that's a wonderful thing. And I want to encourage you to make sure that that's a hallmark of your relationship. We have a spirit of fun and humor. We enjoy one another. When we're in each other's presence, we're giving each other life. The Bible talks about a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. You're Sometimes you're around people and they just give you life. They breathe energy into you. Sometimes you're around people and they're literally just sucking the life out of you. You're like, I don't know that I can be in this conversation much longer. I don't have anything else to give. I mean, I'm just, I'm literally feeling life leaving me right now as I'm talking to this person. It's how bad it is. It's how negative it is, right? And you want to make sure that that's not happening in your marriage relationship, that you're developing a spirit of fun and humor, that we are encouraging and edifying and building up and adding life. And again, it's often overlooked just how important it is in a relationship to have a good time. Now, certainly there are some caveats that we need to be careful of, right? Sometimes sarcasm can be interpreted as humor. And, and sometimes sarcasm is kind of uh, to a side, a way to express anger or frustration with someone. We want to be careful about that. Certain humor should always be clean and pure. Uh, our our uh, family will enjoy sometimes um, a, a movie or something together as a family. And we're, we're big proponents and use VidAngel. And, and sometimes our kids will come home from school and, hey, uh, we heard about this movie. We want to watch this movie. All right, let me look it up. You know, and I look it up on VidAngel. All right, we need 137 filters, but we can do it. It's going to be great. You know, we watch an hour and a half movie in 15 minutes. It's perfect. You know, and uh, we had a good time or whatever. Hey, make sure the humor you have in your relationship is right before the Lord. Uh, it's not going to work if it's not right. So we want to make sure it's the right kind of humor. By the way, um, Humor is really good. I'm, I'm encouraging us to have it. But even for the couples that excel in humor, it's important that there is ability to have a uh, serious conversation. Um, it's important that we're able to have sobriety when needed. Right? So sometimes someone is incapable of doing that. 
They, they, they cannot be serious. They cannot be sober. They cannot be somber. They cannot be that way. That's a problem. Um, we should be able to do that. Um, Jesus rejoiced with those, but he wept with those that wept. He was full of grace and truth. He had great balance. And we want to make sure in our relationship that we're not avoiding a serious conversation by just turning into a joke real quick. Because if I don't, we're going to get on this topic and then I'm going to have to deal with it. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So there's a balance to all of that. But we should have an atmosphere of fun and humor, uh, laughing and enjoying things together. You know what sometimes distracts from this? It's just not having the time to do it. One of the reasons this has been such a wonderful and beautiful environment is because everybody made time. You took off work, you got childcare, you made the investment, you made the sacrifice, you planned, you did whatever necessary, and you're here. And because you're here, now we're enjoying the benefit of that. Can I encourage you regularly, routinely to do that in your marriage? Have a weekly day. Uh, plan it. Get it on the calendar. Protect it. Prove it. Make it happen. Um, have some getaways. Maybe your wedding anniversary. Maybe Valentine's. Whatever the case may be. Uh, have some nights you're playing games, you're doing things together. Schedule these things and enjoy an atmosphere of fun and humor. Thirdly, the foundation of safe and open sharing. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in him in all things, which is to head even Christ. It's important in our relationship that we can be open, that there is a safe environment to where we can be honest one with the other. Many couples struggle to communicate at depth because they don't feel like they can truly be open one with the other. And sometimes we just assume that because we're married, because we enjoy the same house and, and room and bed and life and, and so on, that we're just naturally growing closer. But that's not the case. In fact, sometimes they, they'll find that married people are closer to strangers at times than they are to their own spouse. And they don't understand this. They call it the closeness communication bias. That sometimes we think we're going to be close just because we're there. It's not going to happen that way. We're going to have to invest the energy into it. So we need to learn to speak the truth in love. We need to create a safe place where someone can share their heart one with the other. Marriage should be a sanctuary where your spouse can come and open their heart to you. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. God says, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. The word edifying means to build up. We don't want to communicate in a way that corrupts. We want to communicate in a way that builds up. God is challenging you and I. We want to develop an atmosphere where it is safe. We can come into that atmosphere and we can communicate What's going on in our heart? Every spouse in this room should want their spouse to feel safe to talk to you. If I feel like there's something going on in Susanna's heart and she doesn't feel like she can tell me, that's a huge problem. I mean, that's like stop what's going on kind of a problem. Right? If there's something going on in her heart that's bothering her, and she feels like she can't even talk to me about it. That's huge. And I need to stop in that moment and clear everything and say, what's going on? Because I want an atmosphere where it's safe to open with one another. 
to share with one another, to know where somebody is at at a heart level. And it's really important to do that. And there's a lot of practical application to that. It's really hard to talk to somebody when they're constantly consumed with something else. In your relationship, this might be as simple as turn the TV off. Put your phone in a box for a couple hours. I tell couples all the time, grab each other by the hand, go outside and walk. I don't know what it is physiologically about that, but there's something about it that just helps couples talk. I've had more than one wife come back to me and say, I don't know what that, what happened, but he started talking. We just held hands, got outside and walked. No technology, we just walked. A good old-fashioned walk, one foot after the other. And we just started talking. And a minute turned into 10, and 10 turned into 20, and 20 turned into 30, and we just communicated. It was awesome. And I don't know how it's going to work for you, but create an environment where it's safe to open up. If your spouse does not feel safe to share what's going on in their heart, that's a problem. If they should feel safety in talking to anyone about anything, it's you. It starts in my toes when I do counseling. And a wife or a husband will say to me, well, I can't talk to them about this, but I talk to so-and-so. I hate that. It's one of my pet peeves. And I listen and I try to be gracious, but I come back and I come back hard. Why? Because that's wrong. It's wrong for all the reasons I taught yesterday. If we're one flesh, then why is it you can talk to your mom about something you can't talk to your spouse to? Why is it you can talk to your coworker about something you can't talk to your spouse to? Why is it you can talk to your neighbor or your best friend or your brother about something you can't talk to your spouse to? That's nuts. There should be a million things I can talk to her about that I can't talk to anyone else about. And there should be nothing that I can't talk to her about. Nothing. For one flesh. An atmosphere for safe, open, and honest sharing. That's the way you're going to get that close intimate relationship that we desire. We've got to develop that for our spouse. Number four. The foundation of conflict resolution. Now, every marriage is going to have conflict. We've talked about this enough, I think, already, right? It's an imperfect man, an imperfect woman committed for life. You're going to have an imperfect relationship. Problems are par for the course. Don't feel like, well, we're not a perfect marriage. I don't know where we align. The ground is level at the cross. Friend, there's no perfect marriage in this room. We're all a work in progress. We're all a trophy of God's grace. We're all on the same page. But successful marriages deal with their problems. Sometimes in, in a couple's class or in a setting like I'm in often, you'll kind of have these couples and they'll look around the room and they'll think, well, if I had what so-and-so had or if we were like them, then our marriage would be great. Friend, every marriage in this room has problems. The good marriages from the bad marriages is not the difference of the bad marriages have problems and the good marriages had no problems. That's wrong. That's a myth. That's an error in thinking. Every marriage has problems. The good marriages just figure out how to fix them, solve them, grow through them. The bad marriages are stuck because they don't know what to do with them. They all have problems. The best marriages in the church have problems. In fact, the best marriages are the best marriages because they've learned how to grow through the problems. There's three stages of love. There's dating love, disappointed love, and then deep love. Every relationship starts with dating love, right? That's the fireworks. It's easily ignitable. It's awesome. Then if you're together long enough, you're going to enter into a season of disappointed love. <laughs> if you're like me, it was day two, right? I did something stupid. I said something wrong or whatever. It sounds like, what is his deal? You know, I don't know. And that dating love will go through a season of disappointed love. But there's something you've got to work out. But if you'll learn to work out through that disappointed love, you can come to deep love, 
which is only possible by successfully working through disappointed love. Every marriage has problems, but if we learn to work through them, we can have something stronger as a result. So here are some principles about conflict resolution I want to give as we close. Let it right. Deal with conflicts on a daily basis. Be angry and sin not. The Bible says, I'll not the sin go down upon the wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, there's not anything essentially wrong with anger. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. The problem is when we don't deal with the anger or we allow the anger to get out of control. That's when it becomes problematic and destructive and toxic in a relationship, right? It's like Joanna, who had just been married for three weeks, and she called her pastor, and she was just hysterical. She got on the phone, and she said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. We just got in our first argument, and I just, I don't know what happened. I just feel awful. I don't know what to do. And her pastor was at his office, and he kind of sat back at his desk, and he was like, Joanna, it's okay. Every couple has problems. Every couple has disagreements. Everybody argues. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Everything is going to be okay. And she said, okay, pastor, okay, pastor. I just, I just don't know what to do with the body. I just don't know what to do with what's going on. And, and sometimes our anger gets a little out of control, and if we're not careful, it can bring great damage to the marriage relationship. But Ephesians 4 tells us, be honest about that anger, but don't sin. Make sure there's a daily expression. Make sure we're working through it in a healthy way. Make sure we're not letting it build up or accumulate. Yesterday's anger is one of the most destructive forces in all of marriage. So how do we deal with conflict? Deal with it on a daily basis. Whatever arises, deal with it at that moment. You should be able every night to pull your spouse in your arm and her head right there in your chest and before you pray and then go to sleep say sweetheart is everything right between my heart and yours and then have prayer and then go to bed what's happening in that moment is i pillow my head i know i am right with the lord and i'm right with her and that's a practice that Suzanne and i have and i encourage you to have to make sure that every single day you end the day Knowing you are right with your maker and you are right with your spouse. Deal with it on a daily basis. Let it be. Deal with conflict in a positive manner. The Bible says in Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech be always with grace. Seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let your speech be always with grace. We've established the fact that every relationship is going to have problem or conflict or tension, Right? How do we deal with that? You need to deal with it in a positive manner. The, the outcome of what you're dealing with will be greatly determined by how you deal with it. If Susanna comes to me and she says to me, Gabe, I can't believe you do this. You always do this. No, 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 no. We need to solve it. That spirit is not inspiring in me a spirit of, Honey, I'm so glad you pointed that out. My repetitive failure and uh, the spirit of, uh, uh, you know, my incompetence and inability. This has really inspired me to want to love you and to sit down and have a discussion about this. No, it doesn't. It makes me want to run. Right? You say, well, that's what they deserve. Maybe. I don't know. Try this. Sweetheart, I want you to know that I love you. And that I am committed to you for life. I don't know why this happened. Why you said this. But I think there's something wrong. And I just wanted to understand it. I want to fix it because I don't want anything between you and I. Could you help me understand that? 
I'm bringing him conflict. I'm wanting to deal with him. But instead of attacking someone, or being critical of them, or assuming the worst about them, rather I am affirming them of my love and commitment, and then I am dealing with conflict. Deal with conflict in a positive way. Every encounter with your spouse should begin with your affirmation. Your marriage needs to be in an environment of complete and total acceptance. And that needs to be affirmed constantly. It is so important that we begin by stating our love, admiration, and commitment. Susanna should never feel like I don't love her. Susanna should never feel like I don't think she's the best. Susanna should never feel like, boy, is he committed? Are we okay? Is everything going to be all right? That should all be settled every single time. And then whatever the conflict is, we deal with it. But we deal with it by setting the stage first. I shared this with the men in Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. If we go into a discussion with guns a-blazing, we're going to have a lot of collateral damage. And you know what? Sometimes we feel like, well, if I didn't come that way, if I didn't yell, if I didn't scream, if I didn't slam that cabinet door closed, then they would never know how I really feel. Honestly, it's hard to know how you feel because we're trying to get over the way you're expressing it. You ever tried reasoning with a three-year-old? It's really mm -hmm. difficult to do. You say, are you saying that I'm behaving like a three-year-old? I didn't say that. I'm just saying sometimes we can choose a method in which to express ourselves, feeling like it's necessary to accentuate the point. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't work doesn't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. It makes it worse. Sure, you may get their attention. Sure, you may make a point. But in the long run, what has it done? What do you have to do next time to make a point? Where does this go? And where does it end? Can I encourage you to reconsider and to determine from this moment forward when I sense something coming into a relationship that's going to cause any harm, conflict, or tension, to go to my spouse, to look them in the eye, to say to them, I love you. I'm committed to you for life. I don't understand what's happening or why this was said or why this was done, but I want things right. Will you help me understand this so we can go forward? Communicate conflict in a positive way. Let us see. Confront in a humble manner. These two go in tandem. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. When we address an issue with our spouse, it's important that we are coming in a spirit of humility. Why? Because pride is one of the most deadly forces in any relationship. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 18, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. I use Proverbs 13, 10 in almost every counseling session. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advises wisdom. When Suzanne and I have conflict in our marriage, you want to know why it's there? Pride. Pride in my heart or pride in her heart. Somebody's pride is hurt, and then they're taking offense, and now we have conflict to resolve. Only by pride cometh contention. So what is the antithesis of that? What is the solution to that? Humility. 
somebody has to say, enough. I'm going to humble myself and go to my spouse and make things right. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Why? They were girls. It needed to be done. And it wasn't a moment. Sometimes in marriage, we're not willing to get down and wash the feet. Sometimes in marriage, we're not willing to get down and take care of something the way it needs to be taken care of because of the pride in our heart. And we need to be willing to humble ourselves and say, hey, I love you. I don't want something between us. And I don't want my own pride to get in the way. Um, if we're going to have conflict resolution, we must approach one another in humility. Letter D, we must learn to listen. We must get good at listening one to the other. Look at this powerful verse in Proverbs 20, verse 5. Counsel on the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Uh, we need to listen. We need to draw out what's going on in the heart of our spouse. We need to draw out what's going on in the inside. Man, I try to talk to my spouse and they just won't talk. Then ask them a question and listen. Honey, I really want to know what you're thinking about this. Please share it with me. And then zip the lip. Just sit there. I don't know. It might take a minute. It might take five minutes of silence. I don't know. Eventually, they will talk. And sometimes in a, in a marriage relationship, one couple, one spouse rather, overruns the other spouse in communication so often that the other spouse is just kind of giving up. They don't talk anymore. Sometimes ladies will say to me, I just can't get him to talk. I can't get him to lead. I don't know what he wants to do. And I'll say to her, ask him and then don't talk. Sweetheart, I want to know what's going on. And then just stop talking and just wait. I'm telling you. Although the awkward silence is difficult to endure, it will lead to somebody talking and opening up and, and communicating what's going on. And we've got to get good at listening and drawing that out, asking good questions and knowing what's going on in each other's heart. The Bible says in James 1.19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, so to speak, slow to wrath. I cannot seek to be understood until I first understand. I've got to learn to listen. Lastly, letter E, and it resolved the issue. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. As we deal with issues in marriage, as we walk through these steps and principles and conflict resolution, it's important that we get to the end and we have resolution, that we are able to resolve this and put it behind us and move on. And this happens when we are willing to forgive. When we are willing to forgive and communicate. Honey, I understand um, I forgive you. It's good. It's over. It's taken care of. It's fixed. And what we're saying is, I am not going to bring this up again. I forgive you, and it's in the past. The woman died and went to heaven. And when she arrived at the pearly gates, Peter was there, and he greeted her, and, and uh, she was so happy to be there in heaven. He said, well, before you come in, there's one more thing you got to do. And she said, there's one more thing i got to do. What do you mean? He said, we've well, got to spell the word. She said, I gotta spell a word again in heaven. She said, he, Peter said, yeah, I gotta spell a word. And she said, okay, well, what word? He said, well, any word you get to pick. And she said, okay, love. L-O-V-E, love. He said, all right, good, you're in. He said, hey, by the way, I've got to go take care of something Jesus asked me to do. Could you stand here? Could you greet him? She could do the very same thing. She said, sure, I'd be happy to do it. Well, she wasn't there but a few moments. All of a sudden, her ex-husband walked up to the pearly gates of heaven. And she said, What are you doing here? He said, I just had a heart attack. Did I did I make it? I didn't think I'd make it. Did I make it? And she said, Well, you haven't quite made it yet. He said, What do you mean? She said, You gotta spell a word to get it in. He said, I gotta spell a word. She said, Yeah, you gotta spell a word. He said, Well, what word do I have to spell? She said, Czechoslovakia. And uh, <laughs> sometimes we don't want to forget. 
Sometimes we want to hold on to stuff and make someone pay for it over and over and over again. But we need to be willing to resolve, to forgive, to bury it, to put it behind us and to go forward. And this often happens through prayer together as a couple. We talked about that at the end of the day. Bringing things together in prayer. Nothing wrong between us and our Savior. Nothing wrong between us and our spouse. Humanly speaking, we may not be able to forgive and forget as God has done. Don't you love the word pictures in the Bible of God's forgiveness? He's taken our sin. He's put them as far as the east is from the west. He's buried in the depths of the sea. He's washed them as white as snow. And he's promised to remember them no more. I love that. Now, I, humanly speaking, may not be able to forgive like that. I might say I forgive, but then the next day or the next week or the next year, my flesh might recall something to mind that I might want to say that I shouldn't say. And while I may not be able to forgive like the Lord forgives, I can act or I can behave like I forgive, like He forgives, because He can help me do that. I may not be able to forget, but I can live like I have forgotten. He can give me grace in that way to forgive and to let go and to move on, forgetting those things which are behind. Conflict is par for the course. Every relationship in this room faces moments of adversity. It's how you deal with them that determine the strength and sustainability of your relationship moving forward. Those are very simple, practical principles. But if we'll follow them, they will help us not hit the roadblock of conflict and stop. They will help us to successfully work through them and get better and stronger as a result. It's my prayer that what you take from this retreat and going for the goal is principles that will help you next year at retreat time be much further down the journey than you are today. Stronger, uh, deeper, more intimate, closer, and shining as lights for the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather together as husband and wife, to listen, to learn. And I pray that in addition to learning, that we would apply what the men have heard, the ladies have heard, what we've covered in this session on communication and conflict resolution. I pray that these are principles that we would take and we would apply, that we would take the time even on the drive home to talk to our spouse. What did you learn? And share what we have learned and identify, okay, here's some adjustments we're going to make. Uh, here's some things we're going to implement. Here's how our relationship is going to be different and better as a result of the truths that we have been assured of and reminded of here. Thank you for every couple being here at this retreat. Thank you for pastor and hosting it. And I pray that we would leave here with no time wasted, but rather invested in our relationship with you and our spouse and principles applied that we might go forward stronger and better together. And we'll praise and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.